0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Not Just New Movies podcast, the show where we review a seemingly random film currently not in theaters. My name is Ben Pearson, and today we're going to be talking about Don Coscarelli's 1994 film Phantasm III, Lord of the Dead. Joining me is my regular co-host, Tyler. How are you, man?
1: Ben, have you ever thought that Robert Goulet's song Silver Bells was actually Silver Balls and it was a cry for help? Uh
0: you know what that thought has never crossed my mind but now it's all I'm going to think of every time I hear the song so thank He's you very much for that
1: screaming in terror when he sings <laughs> Super Bowls.
0: I, I don't even understand it. I don't even get the reference. It's Christmas time in the city. I don't know. Uh, but it is December now. So happy December.
1: To, hey, happy December. Well, no, the movie we watched this week, it features, uh, features prominently some silver balls.
0: Oh, oh, my God. I can't believe I didn't make that connection. I feel like a total idiot. But yes, uh, of course, this movie is full of silver balls flying around everywhere. And we're going to get into that very, very soon. If you're a first time listener, welcome to this show. You can find all of our previous episodes at at njnmpodcast.blogspot.com. And if you'd like to contact us, you can do that by email at notjustnewmovies at gmail.com. Tyler, I just checked this morning right before we started uh, recording. Oh, yeah it's dusty man. It's uh, there's, there's no entries, uh, no new email in that account. I feel like we haven't gotten anything that hasn't been a spam uh, email in that account in yeah, many, many years. So if anybody wants to, uh, liven things up, freshen it up a little bit, uh, yeah. knock off those cobwebs, not just new movies at gmail.com is how to do that. And we will read your email on the air.
1: You can also buy the email handle from us. We'll, we'll sell it. <laughs>
0: Right, yes, it's very valuable as you can tell. Um, yes, that's a, a great point. Okay, so I believe this is the fourth episode in our newest mini series, which is called yeah. NJNM. <laughs> To the third power. Yeah. Uh which is uh what was it? Superscript three, I think. Mm-hmm. Um covering movies that have the number three in the title or that are the third entry in a franchise. Uh, before we get into our main review, Tyler, I think last week you introduced a new segment to the show. Oh, yeah. Do you have anything for us in that segment today? Oh,
1: it's piping hot. It's it's time for some hot tea.
0: Okay. So what do you got in the hot tea section?
1: And has your has your tongue healed from last time? It, barely, time just this?
0: barely, yes. <laughs>
1: Ben, this week the hot tea. I steeped it. Ben, mm-hmm. why don't why don't we pay Alan Dean Foster? Let's pay Alan Dean Foster. Have you yes, seen this um, some of these?
0: <laughs> I have. Do you want to like briefly explain this to anybody who might not know what you're I talking about? think you about?
1: might know more about it than I do. But my plea is just, Ben, pay Alan Dean Foster. There, I, I got it out. <laughs>
0: Well, I appreciate the, uh, you know, shining light on this situation. I have not actually read anything about this other than headlines, but my understanding is that Alan Dean Foster, who is uh, an acclaimed writer who wrote, um, Tyler, I think. Splinter of the Mind's Eye. Right. Is that Empire? (laughs) So these are books that are in the uh, Star Wars universe. Um, He was, I think the person who like wrote the, did Splinter of the Mind's Eye come out before Empire Strikes Back? Yes. Okay, so he was technically the first person to create a sequel to the mega hit that was the original Star Wars. Yep. Um, it was in novel form, but still, this book um, means a lot to people and uh, is, you know, was and is held in very, very high esteem. Uh, Alan Dean Foster has written a ton of different novels and novelizations of yes. all sorts of different popular big properties. Um, but uh, yeah, evidently he has not received um, any... Payment for I guess the like residuals and stuff yeah. ever since the um the Fox corporation was uh, acquired by Disney so I think that's the the fan outcry right now is like hey, continue to pay this man you know for the work that he did so that that's my very basic understanding of the yeah. situation as it stands
1: so he's done so I think it was when they purchased Lucasfilm because the books I think that are in the limelight are his Star Wars pre what is it 2012 when they mm-hmm. buy it in 2012 yeah 2012 mm-hmm. so it's pre-2012 work because then he went on to do the novelization for force awakens so he's done like recent work for them mm. but it's the residuals on the books that were produced like oh in the
0: pre-purchase era okay I gotcha. and
1: disney claims of course that when they purchased uh lucasfilm i guess they didn't purchase his contract with Mm. whoever so they're like Mm -hmm. we don't work it's not our job to pay you residuals and so the science fiction writers of america i think the guild that's kind of um the united voice and uh are saying that he needs to get paid some residuals until they can renegotiate what the future residuals look like which is probably like he says it's not a lot of money for them but it is for him mm-hmm. and um but i think the fallback is that if foster can get residuals then everyone can get residuals which is of course what they're entitled to anyway um but especially with like digital like kindle editions mm-hmm. i don't know how if his contract is 30 years old
0: right it wouldn't it, f- it even factor account that for in. It? yeah
1: um so it's it's some interesting uh, there's not a lot written about it, but uh, what, like The Guardian, I think was the one I, I read it on. Um, so hopefully, you know, maybe it's it's still a little bit, uh, the facts need to be drawn out a little bit. So we'll yeah. see. But for now, Ben, sip that tea. Pay yeah. Lauren Dean Foster. Pay all the authors that you're uh, may or may not be screwing over.
0: Right. Yes. Put some respect on the man's name. I mean, they're the usually
1: drawn pretty hard. And that was one of his um core creations in that first in that 1991 heir to the empire featured thrawn so oh. hi guys tyler in the editing room here my apologies to the entire zahn estate uh, heir to the empire was not written by alan dean foster but timothy zahn the creator of grand admiral thrawn um hopefully zahn is getting some loyalties if not but please Please pay Timothy's on if you were wondering what works Alan Dean Foster did have a hand in. Of course, he was involved in the novelization of the original Star Wars, its sequel, Splinter of the Mind's Eye, uh, early 2000s novel, The Approaching Storm, and the novelization for J.J. Abrams' Star Wars The Force Awakens. And of course, Timothy Zahn is famous for his Thrawn trilogy, the Hand of Thrawn duology, the new Thrawn series uh, from Disney, and uh, the brand new Ascendancy trilogy with a release just this year in 2020. So check it out. Um, Pay these guys and uh back to the show all
0: right well i guess uh you know while we wait Speaking on that decision t- to be made uh, i was just going to suggest that people you know go out and, and explore maybe uh, um buy some of alan Dean foster's books uh, them- themselves like the-, the newer ones or something maybe yeah. that they know that he's going to get residuals yeah, paid for or something so anyway uh all right tyler let's just go ahead and jump now into our discussion of phantasm three lord of the dead <laughs>
1: Phantasm, the delusion of a disordered mind, a phantom, a spirit, a ghost. For most of his life, a young man has been pursued by a sinister force. Now he must learn the secret of the ultimate evil. Now it is time for you to come back to me. one doesn't scare you you're already dead phantasm 3 coming soon
0: all right um kind of sucked (laughs) so i was wondering what you thought about this uh okay why don't you elaborate on that before i uh you know (laughs) reveal what i thought about this
1: well i'm a huge fan of phantasm 2 and thinking that every single Phantasm movie had the same kind of... I don't know. I must have watched Phantasm two at a certain time where it was just stuck with me. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not to say that Coscarelli, I believe, is his mm-hmm. name, mm-hmm. uh, is really good with his camera work. He's really good with capturing an ambiance. But I have no idea what this movie was about and <laughs> where it's going and where it's been. Um there's not really a mythology there. Like we've seen with like other slasher movies, I guess that we've been watching this iteration. Uh, And uh, if damned, if I don't know who the Lord of the dead is, (laughs) is it Mike? (laughs) Is it Reggie? Is it the tall man? I think it's gotta be the the tall man. (laughs) (laughs) But he's easily replaced. So there's only, so anytime they need him, they just reproduce a new one. So there must be, (laughs) <laughs> after somebody movies. pulling the strings or yeah, something. Maybe there's a puppet master. Hmm. Um, anyway, what did you think? Have, uh, have you watched any of the phantasm films prior to this? I have
0: not. Okay, so great. um, yeah, this is the one. So when we, when we sort of cooked up the idea for this uh, NJNM mm-hmm. to the third power, I, part of the reason that I was sort of excited about doing it was because I had not seen several of the, you know, the, the uh, rarely have I seen any of the movies that we've discussed so far. And then, um, you know, for, for some of these, I have not seen any of the other uh, films in the franchise, like Nightmare on Elm Street. We talked about that. Um, and in terms of like Friday the 13th and even Halloween three, all of these, the movies that we've discussed so far seem to be able to mostly stand on their own. And Mm -hmm. like, you can kind of, they serve as like pretty decent entry points where If you were to jump straight into the franchise like I did, um, you might have a couple of maybe like lingering questions, but you can follow things pretty easily. And this one, uh, this is the first time where in the first like minute and a half of this movie. I was like, Oh boy, I was rubbing my hands together. I was so excited to talk to you about this because this is what I thought that this entire, you know, podcast mini series was going to be, was just me completely overwhelmed and like in over my head had no idea what the hell was going on. And uh, it was really interesting to watch a movie that way. I mean, it just is like a, you know, pure experiment on my part, like just to try to see if I could peel back the layers of, of, of you know, lore and mythology and whatever the hell is going on here and try to get to like just the basic relationships of the people on display. Mm -hmm. Like uh, Reggie Bannister, the actor plays this guy named uh, Reggie in this movie. And I didn't realize until I was reading the Wikipedia entry afterwards that he was an ice cream man at one point. Yeah, and, and I'm like, movie. wait, the guy that we've been following, the like ostensible hero of this movie was just an ice cream man. And yeah. like I think there's one shot in the film where mike has sort of a flashback and it like reveals that the the tall man hates being cold because he walked past yeah. the open doors of the ice cream truck right. that reggie was was doing and i'm like this clearly came from a previous movie but like the the camera was so focused on the tall man and his reaction to this cold which was not even that big of a reaction. I'm not even sure how Mike was able to make that (laughs) leap, frankly. Um, But like you see Reggie sort of in the foreground in a full ice cream man uniform. And I was like, wait, is that Reggie? (laughs) Like the movie does not go out of its way to, um, you know, reestablish, I guess, for people who had seen it before or seen the, the previous films, that that was his occupation beforehand. And so he's just like this wandering, you know, a uh, ponytailed badass kind of character in this movie and I'm like, who the hell is this guy? Well
1: so another thing you missed out on was Reggie had a family that the tall man destroyed in the first two minutes of mm. Phantasm Two. Oh wow. So uh it's uh but he gets over it real quick. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's uh trying to hook up with his girl, the one whose scalp fell apart at the very beginning of Phantasm three. Mm. Uh, he hooks up with her, I think a few months have passed, but uh, still he's, yeah, he's very impulsive. He he has like a one dimensional brain. It's just four barreled shotgun girls. That's it.
0: Yeah. That was very much on display in this entry as well. Um, you know, there's that super creepy skeezy move with the queen bed that he pulls oh, with yeah. the Rocky character later on. And yeah. he's just like it's so tough to watch. He's just like, real, he refuses to take no for an answer but and she he, eventually handcuffs him. But he's
1: such a lovable loser, but still red flag pal. Yeah. Um,
0: oh, what,
1: what you may have missed was not much in Phantasm one. It's like Mike's a kid and Jody's mm-hmm. an adult uh, still alive. And then it's very Friday the 13th where every ending, at least I haven't seen four or five yet, but uh, every ending is like, enough where you're like uh uh-oh they didn't make it out and but then the the next movie it's like they made it out i guess (laughs) and um not much plot wise changes in these three films like it's always the tall man is digging up graves going Mm -hmm. town to town and they go after him and someone goes missing (laughs) and they end up in like a mausoleum um but for some reason i don't know i really dig the uh the vibe of these movies and i know they have like a lot of cult following um mm-hmm. uh, but I, I think phantasm 2 is still my favorite i don't know about phantasm 3 so i I want to know how you felt whether you thought that uh any of the <laughs> maybe 60 percent of the movie was even necessary
0: <laughs> yeah i um you know like the, so so the film begins with this recap which i found to be completely incomprehensible mm-hmm. um sure. And Much and like that's not sense. necessarily my uh, the the movie's fault. That's more my fault. Like a recap is supposed to just be like a little refresher. Right, it's not right. supposed to like detail. You know, provide an explainer of what everything that happened. Uh, but I was like, you know, very confused by all that. But I I settled in. I was ready to, ready to take it all in. And then like the movie proper begins. You know, right after the. It, like it, it sort of picks up at the end of what happened with uh, the ending of Phantasm Two, I guess, and then like yeah. almost instantly, a car explodes. Yep. But the character of Mike, who was in that car, mm-hmm. is totally fine. Like totally he's just like, he's like laying on the ground, and like Got he seems slightly dazed, and that's mm-hmm. it. Um,
1: Meanwhile, his girlfriend is torn apart.
0: Right, yeah, and so I was very confused about that whole thing. They so instantly, have, like,
1: surfed on her like <laughs> the wave of the fire explosion. Like he just surfed on her like a ninja turtle.
0: Yeah, I will say I was impressed with the uh, the quality of the explosions though in this movie. Yeah. Like it, you know, even from the very beginning, like the that car sort of turns a corner, like it disappears. Uh, behind a little bend in the road, mm-hmm. and then a massive fireball goes off, and it's it was clear to me that from like a production standpoint, they didn't actually blow up that car. They had like an explosion ready to go, just out of sight. Right. But still, like the fact that this movie, which I believe was released only in two markets, I was yeah, reading the I Wikipedia read page, was like. You know, re- released in two random cities. What what were they? Saint Louis um, and like
1: and Baton Rouge in, in in May of nineteen
0: ninety four. I guess Universal had some sort of falling out with Coscarelli and some sort of conflict or something where. They didn't want to release the movie theatrically, but they, so basically, it's a it's a direct to video movie, but it, mm-hmm. it performed very very well. Um, so uh, for a, Jafar, <laughs> yes. Uh, so for a movie that has you know a budget of like two and a half million dollars or something, I thought that they they did a lot with that in terms of um, yeah. the explosions, which you know there are a myriad number of explosions in this movie. So
1: I thought the production value was really on spot, and one of the I think it's the only DVD feature other than the trailer i watched was a balls of steel which uh, was 10 minutes dedicated to the stunt driver that drove the pinkhurst like off that rock remember mm-hmm. that? and it was and they went into so much detail about this particular kind of ramp that has like a little hook at the end mm-hmm. and it it just catapults the car <laughs> and they're like yeah. it's so dangerous to do and the stunt driver's like like Coscarelli's interview and he goes, yeah, he came up to me. He was like, I'm going to go 50 miles an hour off this ramp. And then a few days later, he comes up to me. I'm going to go 60 miles an hour off this ramp. And then like the day of, he's like, I'm going 70 miles off this ramp. And Coscarelli's like, hold on, let's, let's make sure you survive. And and then they, he like shows like the, um, like where the cameras were set up. Like they went back to the road, on like Mulholland drive. I think mm-hmm. it was, And he said, he's like, yeah, the first camera is behind the telephone pole here. Just in case like the car like went out of control, we thought maybe the the telephone pole would like protect the camera. And then they were like, and then we had another camera here. So the car goes over the camera. And then we had another camera down here where the car landed. And he goes, look, there's still divots in the road from when this car landed here 24 years ago. (laughs) And I was like, man, LA, you got some infrastructure problems. And he said the guy... He, like, he goes, he never let, when we were hearing the car go off the ramp, he's like, we never let him, we never heard him let off the, off the gas. <laughs> he was just like piling towards this thing. And then they pulled him out. He was unconscious and they woke up and they're like, all right, that's a wrap. <laughs> wow. And it was, uh, it was pretty amazing how, you know, that minor little scene became like a DVD feature. It was pretty good.
0: Yeah, man. And I noticed during that, uh, I think it was that, moment that you're talking about there's one shot where there's like a police car or something sort of off in the in the distance like ahead of where the crash is and it never appears in any of the other shots and i'm wondering if they if he was going so fast that he overshot the landing area and that police car was not supposed to be in the you know in the movie but he was just there like you know for safety or something um is
1: it like the guy in jeans from the mandalorian
0: yeah, I guess so. Uh, it, I guess it is. Yeah, it's it's pretty much the just same. Just a
1: stormtrooper on his break.
0: Yeah. Um, now, okay, do they so- have
1: genes in the Star Wars universe, Ben? How is that how can that be explained away somehow?
0: I, you know, I, I saw. So you're you're talking about, I guess, in a recent episode of the Mandalorian. There's like a guy just like standing in the background yeah. who was a part of the crew uh, who clearly should not have been in the shot. And um, I, I think I saw somebody like screen cap that and say like. You know, within the next 10 years, this character is going to have like an action figure and is going to be like, you know, canonized in some way. They're going to come up with some way to like, you know, uh, take this little mistake and like, pretend like it was intentional yeah, and like yeah. you know monetize and market the whole thing up as much as possible so uh, while the answer right now may be <laughs> that no genes don't exist i would not be surprised to see that they come up with a way for genes to exist yeah. in the star wars universe. just
1: like dan Harris's starbucks cup
0: yes like, yes
1: it comes with a posable starbucks, starbucks yeah. yeah
0: exactly um so these flying ball things, yeah. these, these silver balls, yeah. uh, you is think? that Are like scary? the whole deal with the Phantasm movies? <laughs> Are these in all of the films?
1: Yes, but this was okay. the first installment that I believe they explain why they exist and they actually contain the brains of the tall man's victims, which the explanation is very, um, I feel like it was like a second, an afterthought because it was overdubbed at some point. Remember the scene where they go, we're heading west while the camera pans east on the map? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> they go, yeah, he's he goes town to town, and he digs up the graves, and he turns them into dwarves, and then the mm-hmm. dwarves have their brains cut out, and those go into the silver balls. So the dwarves become, they run on impulse, but the minds become killers. Right. And, yeah, that's it. as deep as it gets man
0: (laughs) what a plan i mean i I never really understood what exactly the tall man was after and i'm wondering if that was like established in you know uh, the previous two movies or something but
1: kind of and this is why i get a little frustrated because they they get so close to the line of where this weird sci-fi mythology begins and then they always back off Mm. so in the first movie and you missed out on these there's like a scene where Reggie, I think, falls into that. Remember that door he can Mm -hmm. can pass through with the two metal bars? Yeah. So in the first one, they fall in, and they see, like, the other planet where all these little dwarf guys go and become slaves, I guess. And then in part two, they do the same thing, almost like a reproduction of the first movie, where (laughs) they go through the door, they see the other planet, and then they're brought back in So we just get a glimpse of what you know what the after effects of the tall man's actions are. But (laughs) in the third movie, they don't even bother with it this time. They're like, yeah, he kind of wants to conquer dimensions. Um, but as far as like from a movie making standpoint, I I guess this is like his idea of, because him and Sam Raimi are, are friends. So I wonder if like the evil dead franchise, which kind of hits on the same tones, every movie, at least one and two, I wonder if that's something that he just wants to tell the story in different ways. I don't know. It's- yeah. I,
0: so um, you have not seen the fourth or fifth movie that yet. Is correct. Right. Okay. Do you know what happens in those movies? Have you I read anything about them? Oh, no, man. okay. My so here, I, I was, I was much like, Mike, <sighs> Yes, I was looking at an overview of the Phantasm franchise after I watched this movie just because I was very confused about the mythology and everything. Uh, Let me just say that you are in for what sounds like the most Tyler movie that I've ever heard of. Excellent. When you get to Phantasm Ravager, which sounds like something that you yourself would have created, and it expands on all of the things that you were just talking about Excellent. in ways that I feel like are legitimately going to blow your mind. Right, so I'm psyched
1: again because I was a little, I, I watched Phantasm three like a month or two ago mm-hmm. and I was like, man, I don't know if I could watch two more of these and then we were going to watch it again for this podcast. And I had to watch it again last night because I could not remember. I knew it was a lot like one and two, but I couldn't remember mm-hmm. which parts were just in three.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but it turns out I do remember a lot from three. But yes, now yeah. I'm excited. I'm 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 ready to finish the franchise.
0: I can't vouch for four. I haven't really read anything about that one, but it oh, really indeed. sounds like uh five takes things in a totally, you know, insane direction. Like even more so than like the truly insane stuff that we're talking about it that happens in this uh, installment so well, that, um, i think
1: that was angus scrim's final film was ravager so ben what did you think of angus scrim as the tall man
0: i mean i really thought the only <laughs> trick he had in his acting book was to squint one eye a little yeah. bit that's and kind of like
1: raise that eyebrow
0: the whole move um yeah. and i guess they just were like all right this guy is maybe like a friend of someone, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. Coscarelli or somebody. And they're like, he's tall. Uh, Let's just do that. Like you just kind of stand there and maybe like walk real slow. And, um, you know, it it reminded me a little bit of like twin peaks. Like there's a giant character in, in twin peaks. And he like, doesn't, you know, that, that character uh, uh, emotes a lot more than the tall man does. But just like the idea of having this towering physical presence, um you know it it seems it it introduces something that feels slightly otherworldly um Mm -hmm. so i guess that is is sort of you know it contributes to that vibe that you're talking about that these movies have but um you know in terms of like the actual performance or the character (laughs) or any sort of insight or anything like that i i it it fell on deaf ears mostly
1: yeah Yeah, he's i think he's appeared as the tall man in like commercials and stuff so oh really he's got like his following but uh yeah, the, there's something about like, especially the first one, like the funeral home and um, like the funeral parlor, like it kind of does have like if you've ever been unnerved by those places, like let's say you had to go to a funeral as like a small child and it's just mm-hmm. like scary to be there like that, I think, is put onto film really well because it uh, everything feels so empty in these movies. Like I understand it was you know, independent films with, with lower budgets, but still they, he tends to capture like an empty world. And then the plot is the tall man goes around and is trying to empty the world. Yeah. So it it kind of comes together in a weird way where it's like, I can see somebody going, Oh, this didn't make any sense. I don't like it. But it's like, if you just watch it, you kind of have this more. So the, I don't know, the strange little journey you go on with them (laughs) Mm-hmm. even though it's balls to the wall ridiculous at least it's uh it's got some tonal uh achievements that i think are well worth the wait
0: yeah i think when we were watching halloween 3 we were talking about sort of in a negative way that the world sort of felt empty mm-hmm. and like you know it, it seemed like a budget a budgetary limitation and i didn't really feel the same i mean even though like you're saying it, it the the cinematic you know uh what is on the screen in this movie does often feel empty. I didn't have that same sort of meta feeling of like, Oh, this is because of the budget it, because they bake it directly into the story, it makes more sense and it feels yeah. more natural that way. So, um, so, uh,
1: what was Rocky and her friend doing in that mausoleum? You think? <laughs> you think they were I have robbing no,
0: <laughs> I have no idea. Um, yeah, they really just sort of came out of nowhere. And I, I guess before they even get there, like, what is going on in Holtsville? Like, there's that weird gang yeah. with the wannabe Steve Buscemi guy yeah. who's like, you That's know, and, it like too. it's like they clearly it seemed to me like they were like, all right, let's get a Steve Buscemi type, and then like yeah. he, when he was like, hell no, I'm not going to be in this direct video movie, yeah. they're just like, all right, let's find whoever can be closest to him. Hey, remember um, in
1: Friday the Thirteenth Part Three where there was like three member gang in that small town? Let's do <laughs> yeah. that, but for Holtzville yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. It reminded me a lot of that. And like they th- this gang, you know, kidnaps uh, uh Reggie and then mm. they walk Pretty into this weird me. Oh yeah, like super easy. Uh they walk into this weird home alone situation where this yeah. kid is there and he <laughs> he is just like I, I, this is the moment I think where, you know, th- there was some mythology stuff and like the, you know, the portals and things like that in the yeah. in the beginning. Um you know, there's that moment in the very very beginning of the movie where Reggie like points the Uh, shotgun up at the trees and shoots once and then like four different, uh, Jawa. Jawa creatures like fall out from different points, and I'm like, "There's no way that that blast would have hit all four of them." <laughs> so you know, there are moments where I was confused in in the beginning of the movie. But this is the moment where, when this kid uh, Timmy or Tim, I think, mm-hmm. is, is introduced, um, this is where I really like started losing it. I was just yeah. like, "What is going on here? What does this movie think that this character is?" Because I couldn't tell if he was like supposed to be a highly skilled assassin or just really lucky
1: because. Oh, he's that when he (laughs) shot that thing off the mailbox, my riff tracks mind was like, he was aiming for something else. He just happened (laughs) to hit the, he's like, check that out. But I think he's the cousin, he's the cousin Oliver of this franchise. When, uh, when Mike was younger in the first movie, I guess they had to make Mike disappear for a while. So they brought the kid on. And Mm. uh, I think that's just, uh, I don't know
0: i mean there's that moment where he like basically throws like a it's it's the paint can moment from mm-hmm. home alone but yeah. he's got like knives on a uh a dummy or something mm-hmm. and he flings that down the stairs that doesn't actually kill anyone but nope. he um he he hurls a a hatchet into the woman's forehead so yeah. that that's one death and Just then
1: like kevin mccallister <laughs>
0: Right. And then uh, he takes a frisbee with razor blades around it and hurls it into the sky. And the the two guys, the the two villains, the kidnappers are standing there, you know, probably what, 30 feet away from him or something like that. And they just watch it as it flings into the sky, arcs toward one of the guys next. He doesn't put his arm up. He doesn't take a step back. Mm -hmm. He doesn't dodge or dip or duck or any of the d's in dodgeball he Dodge. just stands there and lets the thing slice his throat open and he dies yeah. and then the steve buscemi character falls into a pit and gets shot in the head yeah. by this little kid who's <laughs> what like 12 years old or something i was it's uh, a dark
1: world ben that's the, you gotta survive
0: <laughs> very taken aback by all that and then yes he he, he teams up with reggie and then they go to a mausoleum where they they find Rocky and her friend who gets uh, her forehead drilled into by yeah. this um, this silver oh, that's, ball that's brain classic. sphere thing.
1: That's classic silver ball. It's, uh, uh, it loves the brain juices. Because I think it, it frees up the uh, for the yellow fluid that the tall man puts in there.
0: Yeah, real gross. It's real gross, gross. Stuff. I
1: don't like body horror stuff, and a lot of this is body horror. But... Uh, back to the frisbee with the razor blades on it. Pre Xena warrior princess, I believe. And uh, as you know, Xena had the, uh, the little silver ring that she could throw around. I don't know if mm. you know what I'm talking about. Yes. I do. Uh, Xena warrior princess produced by Sam Raimi. So it comes full full circle. They're good friends. <laughs> i will say that what this if is there was after, a that could cut people's throats from 30 yards
0: uh, this is after hard ticket to hawaii the 1987 movie which i believe had a similar thing a frisbee oh, with razor lies. blades on it so
1: okay uh With maybe Sam, Amy, or coscarelli involved in any way
0: uh i believe they were uh very excited viewers but i can't confirm <laughs> that so
1: um i hope that's what it is like we'll have them in an interview and it's like yeah it was like when we watched that movie take it to Ride. <laughs>
0: um okay so yeah rocky immediately sort of very easily becomes a part of the uh the group
1: yeah i don't and i don't then, know how i feel about rocky well, it just like turns into she... a
0: three-hander, and then it's just like, okay, now, now it's like, know you know, the, well, just just a, a, a three a kink? three protagonist uh, movie. It's just a road movie with three main heroes now, yeah. and then it, it just—it's so weird the way that it plays out because, like, she's clearly not interested in Reggie at all, but no. like every single one of his interactions with her is designed for him to try to to try right. to like you know uh see her as some sort of conquest it's really um really just a strange thing so mm-hmm. what do you what do you make of the rocky character
1: i mean she uh, other than reggie's appalling behavior um rocky i don't know like she's hot and cold man she's nice sometimes and then mean and then you don't you don't know why she's sticking around which and then she ends up leaving anyway at the end and it was like one too many goodbyes from Reggie. Like Reggie's like, all right, man, take care. And she's like, yeah. And she like fist pounds the kid. And then <laughs> she gets back in the car and Reggie's like, man, I'm going to miss you. Like, get back out of that car and give me a hug. Yeah. It's like, just leave.
0: Yeah. And then after she gets back in, then he goes back down into the window again. Like he leans back yeah. in as if he's got one more thing to say. And it's like, dude, just, yeah, wrap this up. What are you doing?
1: I just don't, I, I mean... I like that she's Kung Fu related. Like all, mm-hmm. like she, that's her thing. Um, yeah, she carries fine.
0: nunchucks, by the way. She, we yeah, haven't mentioned that. Nunchucks. And she, that's like her weapon of choice. And
1: she owns those silver balls with that nunchuck. <laughs> that's funny how they, they like joust these things. Like uh, every other scene, they have to think of new ways to take down these balls and you know, the kid will shoot it and she'll use her nunchucks and Reggie will like trip over something and land on it, whatever.
0: Yeah, and like
1: my favorite scene is when uh, she shows up to protect Reggie against the zombie girl, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and she hits him with the nunchuck before hitting the non-zombie girl. So then he goes down, then he gets back up, and I think the zombie girl hits him back down again. (laughs) So like, if you're watching Reggie during that fight scene, he's like knocked back twice by accident, and I was like, all right, I'm back on Reggie's side again. This guy's funny
0: yeah i like the uh i think my favorite thing was just like um the sort of ridiculousness of like how these these silver balls are just constantly like hurtling down uh hallways and like you know they have these cool camera moves where it's like supposed to be from the pov the ball and i'm like Mm -hmm. all right this is all like interesting low budget like indie kind of filmmaking where it's like they're doing creative stuff I'm, i'm on board with this but then like the silver balls which at one point uh bore through someone's head like not only the um that one body horror moment that we're talking Mm -hmm. about where Rocky's partner gets like, drilled into it at one point it's going so fast that it just leaves a spherical or I guess a cylindrical, um, (laughs) like hole in, in the, the zombie woman's head because it just travels so quickly that it just blasts straight through. So this, this thing clearly has the ability to, um, you know, to fly and to maneuver and to go at like insane speeds, but it evidently does not have the ability to do any of that, you know, at, at a, uh, a height that's like less than five mm. feet. <laughs> like, If you just like fall to the floor and crawl around, it seems like it's just going to swoop, you know, over the top of you and then turn around and do a big loop and then swoop over the top of you again. It just can't figure out how to go, you know, down a little bit and because it would be so much more effective if it could just do that.
1: Yeah. In the, in the first two movies, the ball can like see stuff. It sees like a Terminator vision, Mm-hmm. um it didn't really feature that in this film but uh yeah the camera work is throughout these movies i assume at least in the first three mm-hmm. um because i guess it wouldn't be scary for the tall man to be chasing them around
0: <laughs> right yeah that's the thing is like he's you know he seems like a physically imposing presence but like i think that actor is just not um like he cuts a good silhouette i'll give him that yeah. but that's kind of it in terms of the scare factor so Mm -hmm. i think uh i think you're right i think like the idea that like putting him in the frame too many times even with somebody like reggie who is not like a you know a stallone or schwarzenegger action star by any means but if you if you have them share the the frame too much i think your mind as a viewer would start to be like why doesn't reggie just kick this guy's ass right. like what is he doing it's so like yeah in
1: part uh nightmare on elm street where freddie just kind of turns a corner and shows up and you kind of laugh it's not really yeah. imposing anymore but he, he mm-hmm. can still be imposing i guess um now ben back to our question who is the lord of the dead have you so you're on tall man's side
0: i think so i mean he seems to be you know controlling some sort of like he seems to be able to um, to see through visions and like connect mm-hmm. almost like the uh, the Night King in Game of Thrones. Okay, like there's that moment where um, where uh, I think it's Mike is like laying on a table and he has the ball yeah. on his head and he's sort of like getting like a download of a vision and stuff and he yeah. and the the tall man is in that vision and Mike is just like observing and then all of a sudden. Uh, the tall man is able to sort of like see that that Mike is standing there, and then, like, you know, it's it felt very much like the Night King, like grabbing Bran by the wrist right. kind of thing. Um, a uh, King Bran, by the way, yes, yeah, again, um, put some respect on his name. Well, <laughs> what
1: I wanted, to, my uh counter argument is that Mike is the Lord of the Dead, and he, especially when he was laying on the table with that ball on his head, he, he uh, was giving off a very Paul of house Atreides vibe mm, where he mm-hmm. became the, uh, hold on. Let me think of it. The, uh, <laughs> Kaz Yeah. Whatever. Kuzaks, the...
0: Shadrach. Um, and that's a Dune reference for anybody who has Dune no reference. idea what, what we're talking about. Dune
1: reference. Get ready for Dune coming to <laughs> HBO max in five years. Um, yeah. And so, my and the the tall man really wants him and he wants him alive. So I wonder if like the Lord of the dead is embedded in his inner being. And maybe that's why he's got like the parts already for like he, I mean, spoiler alert, he bleeds yellow and he has like a silver ball in his mind, in Mm -hmm. his head. And we don't know exactly what that means, just like every other Phantasm movie. Mm -hmm. And uh, he runs off at the end. So we don't know until I guess oblivion where uh, where Mike ends up. So, because, and this is, again, the theory that the tall man is easily replaced, but Mike cannot be destroyed. So...
0: So that's why Mike is the Lord of the dead. I, I mean, that's I feel hard. like you could make a case that Reggie is the Lord of the dead because oh, oh, nice. he just like goes around killing people or maybe the child of the kid. He lords
1: over Lord that Lord ponytail.
0: I mean, he's the one who really dishes out the most. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I guess, I guess Mike or uh, Reggie rather probably has a higher yeah. body count with that. Yeah, uh, Double barreled shotgun or quadruple barreled shotgun, but
1: and he's um, a huge deadhead, So maybe that's why they call him Lord of the dead. <laughs>
0: the question i had for you is do you know why uh the tall man wants mike so much Uh, mike himself Uh, asks that question he's like why do you want me and then you know an hour passes or something (laughs) and like mike is you know in some sort of weird dream space or like a caught in a mausoleum or whatever and then he is like uh essentially like released and freed in a weird sex dream that Reggie is having. And oh, he, yeah. he finally, like, you know, uh, reappears in the natural world. But I, I never really understood why the tall man was obsessed with Mike. Do you have an answer to that?
1: I think it goes back to my theory that he's the Lord of the dead. So that's why, <laughs> okay. I, no, I'm, I'm, I'm being serious. Oh, really? okay. I think, sure. uh, I think, my, cause he says at one point he's like, you're, uh, Your being is gonna be what is unknown will be known. You can travel time and space, blah blah blah, and so that gives me the impression that Mike is some kind of chosen one, of course, and uh, they need him to take over the planets, whatever. Even though none of that is said, Um, and yeah, I think that's I think that's why. (laughs) We could be completely wrong because four might do away with all of this
0: i was gonna say after you watch four and five please report back right, and uh, let me know so. if, if that uh answer is ever actually satisfactorily resolved um, I guess we should talk reporting about- for duty <laughs> i guess we should uh we should start wrapping this up we should talk about the very mm-hmm. end of the movie though because yes. um that is uh <laughs> the moment where i just really burst out into laughter is like the 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 moment where it's like it, it it hard cuts to the end of the movie. Um, do you want to tell me what you thought about that scene and how the very end of the film played well,
1: out? When they go back into the mausoleum.
0: So yeah, they're back in the mausoleum. Right. Um, Reggie, uh, th- there's a moment where Tim is like, uh, "Yeah, the you know, I think it was Mike or Jody. One of them told me to tell you that uh, oh, yeah. you know, there, there's thousands of them." And and Reggie's like, "What the hell are you talking about?" And then like the kid goes off into another room or something and comes back and finds that Mike has been, or that Reggie has been pinned to the wall by uh, a ton of these weird ass silver balls. And uh, the tall (laughs) man is like standing nearby, like in a room nearby and uh, Reggie. uh, Yeah. He's, he's up there and he's like, it's, it's over. Like leave me, run, get out of here. And and Tim like goes for the gun and he's going to try to, I guess, individually shoot every single yeah. of the walls that are, that are like holding, that are pinning Reggie to the wall. He's going to
1: thousands of bullets.
0: Yeah. And then as soon as, uh as soon as Reggie says, get out of here, it's over. The tall man bursts into the room and is like, it's never over. Yeah. And then that's the end of the movie. Yeah. So like he, that situation is completely unresolved. It, I was like, uh, man i was just laughing so hard at that yeah. moment because it's like it's it's a cliffhanger but it's like a reggie hanger like he's the one who's like right. <laughs> suspended in midair and like you don't know what's gonna happen
1: um, he wished his name was cliff so that yeah. that whole joke plays out
0: yeah exactly um, so uh God, what you make of all that? well
1: this is a this is quite a trope in the phantasm world it's uh always you think it's over And then the tall man comes back. You think the tall man's dead. He's never dead. And also you think Reggie dies at the end of every movie. He doesn't die. (laughs) So prepare to see Reggie again in Phantasm four oblivion. Um, Yeah. Nothing is ever uh, what it seems even like they say in the movie. Yeah. Because I think this, this director is having a lot of fun on these movies and he wants to do all this weird demented stuff and i just love him i love these low budget takes on this story and he updates it every every entry so i i, I gotta give it to him um i've only ever seen like Ho hotep and i don't think i've ever seen beastmaster so i wonder if these are his passion projects and those other movies are just like his big paydays <clears throat> um even though Bubba hotep i feel like that was probably not that was probably a passion project too. Didn't, yeah, didn't we watch like, that was, like 20 years ago? Uh,
0: you guys did. I, I was not there during uh, that. Um, but yeah, I think... Um,
1: the Bubba Hotel I, period?
0: Yeah, I was out at skip practice or something. Who knows?
1: Um,
0: so, uh, you know, I, the more we talk about this, the more appreciation I have for this movie. Like yeah. I, I came into this recording being like, I don't really know about this movie. Yeah. I, I'm, I, you know, and it's not necessarily that I... Uh, hated everything that was going on i was just i you know this is like one moment where the experiment didn't really work very well like you know it it, all the other movies like i mentioned sort of line up where they're like decent entry points and this is not really that at all and so i felt a little out of my element and then but now that we're talking about it i i do appreciate a lot of the choices here even though um (laughs) it's it's ludicrous it's totally ludicrous uh but I, i can i can um You know, I can get behind some of this. Would you watch the
1: other entries now? That's what I was just going to say. I I
0: feel like I might jump ahead just to the final one because the synopsis of that sounds so insane that I want to kind of see how that goes. I I cannot imagine going backwards to the first two Phantasm movies because I feel like they're just progressions, right? Like this movie is slightly bigger than Phantasm Two, I imagine, right?
1: I really like two. I would watch that one but two feels like a remake of one. Yeah. a evil dead. Um, and three doesn't have that, that other dimension scene that the other two have. So I wonder if, uh, I wonder if this wouldn't, this would, Kind of be a good entry if it featured that a little bit, but because it doesn't, okay. you have to watch the other ones, maybe right, just well, two, maybe just two and five, two, three, and five. We'll see.
0: Maybe I'll, maybe I'll pillars. get around, I'll, yeah. I'll jump around in this franchise at some point over the next decade and maybe, maybe uh, oh wow, check out and see what happens.
1: Very but charitable of you,
0: I know. <laughs> I apologize. My yeah, apologies I'll get to your movie is
1: in 10 years,
0: <laughs> you know, there's a lot of stuff to watch.
1: Is that what gets um, you screeners? It's like, yeah, I guarantee you, I'll review this in maybe 10 years <laughs> uh
0: yeah I, I have a request in for phantasm ravager which came out in 2016 and yeah. i haven't gotten it <laughs> yet so uh we'll see how that that's goes awesome. but um all right i think that's going to bring us pretty close to the end of uh of this Ooh. review portion tyler do you oh, oh up? Uh, did you that? get that three eagle oh the three eagle yes of course i almost forgot dropped
1: our little ribbon uh all ribbon right review.
0: so i think uh, this nice might catch. be the last the last time that we're gonna read something, caught it with your Threagle. face, just like that yeah. <laughs> lady
1: in that gold silver ball.
0: Yes. All right. So this uh, this review, this one line review on the scroll that the uh, oh, we NG&M got two episodes left, don't we? Yeah, but I think uh, on the the final episode, the three is not going to appear and drop because the, the three only drops uh, something revealing what the um, what we're gonna talk about two episodes from now. Is that right? I don't even know.
1: Yeah. You know, do either. Oh, man, I'm confused now.
0: Yeah, the, this thing uh, I should have it, it never just,
1: captured that threagle.
0: <laughs> we got, we got to let it back out. It's, really uh, worked, it's, it's worth. Yeah, it's very difficult to feed. But um, this uh, <laughs> this scroll it says uh, Richard Richard Schickel from Time Magazine. There's a quote here for a movie or his his review of a movie. It says an astonishing display of virtuoso cinema that is destined to take its place among the most vivid and freshly imagined fist to groin contests in the medium's history. All right. Wow. Fantastic so most, most of it, well, I don't think it's fantastic <laughs> Four because I would not really work for this <laughs> no, mini series, but uh, I, most of these um entries, these uh, quotes from reviews for movies that we're going to watch in the series have been pretty bad, been pretty yeah. bleak, painted a bleak picture of what we have to expect. But this one, it uh, sounds like it could be pretty good. So okay. I guess we'll have to wait and see what that film is. I just is.
1: remembered which one. I just It just dawned on me what oh, uh, yeah. what film this is. Okay,
0: You great. and I know, and nobody else knows. So, uh, yes, tune in next time to find out, or maybe the time after that. I don't know how the yeah, three maybe. go works, but... Mm-hmm. Uh in any case uh we're going to we're going to have I think two more episodes of this mini series and then who knows what's going to happen with podcast unless yeah
1: <laughs> there could be more if uh if the audience is like we need more threequel talk.
0: Yeah and and if you want to do that then you can email us at at gmail.com you can hit us up uh on Twitter right is that where people can find you yeah. Tyler
1: at njnm podcast? Okay
0: excellent and then uh you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at benpars so let us know if you want more of this uh, mini series or, or perhaps a different mini series maybe yeah. we can do a, a number four or some sort of other thing that doesn't have anything to do with numbers but uh,
1: <laughs> oh yeah um, oh yeah or you could give us ideas for other limited series is, is, oh is, yeah
0: yeah i'd love to hear what the uh what the listeners would like to hear about so uh yes do all that um tyler thank you uh, once again yeah, for introducing me to the world of phantasm oh, really welcome. Uh,
1: <laughs> it's been 20 years in the making i've been trying to get people to watch phantasm ever since i saw it in like the wb movie afternoon
0: oh wow yeah it actually feels like that's where that's the
1: perfect place to be introduced
0: to to these movies (laughs) it's like that perfect oh man that's really great uh okay well until you get a chance to check out phantasm 4 and uh, phantasm ravager Mm -hmm. um, people can just check you out online uh hit us up on on twitter and and shoot us an email if you have anything to say otherwise thank you all for listening and we will talk to you next time